the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What has to come across to people and what has to come across in our own lives is the fact that we are really saddened and deep in sorrow because God is not being honored in the lives of people. Does it upset you every time the name of the Lord is mocked? When you're watching television or when people begin to say all kinds of things about, you know, about, about God. You know, if it doesn't upset you, no, something's wrong. Because God placed that burden of his presence and his glory in every person's heart. Now, when we came to light, when we came to faith in Jesus, we recognized that God is revealing himself to us. And every time there's a mockery, there's a blasphemy uh, of the name of the Lord, it should trouble you. And that troubled spirit that you have because God is not being honored, that's a motivating factor for you and I to tell people about Christian, okay? About Christ, rather. If our motivation for witnessing is to see a person uh, delivered from sin, which is a great reason, but if we make that the primary reason, we really need to be eloquent. We really need to have persuasive words. But what if you're not eloquent? What if we can't talk good? Then what? Then our witness is dead? Absolutely not. What's important is not what we say. It's what's inside our heart. Are you burdened that your friends, your family, people are living, going towards an eternity of separation from God because they don't know who to worship? And that's why we need to tell people about Jesus. Why you Christians are arrogant? What makes you think that yours is the only way? Your argument is not with Christian. When you tell me you're so arrogant, you think yours is the only way to get to heaven, please, your argument is not is with me. Your argument is with Jesus. Argue with Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody goes to heaven. Nobody gets to know God except through me. And so if you, you think that, you know, we're sharing a, a, a message of salvation because we believe that our religion is the right religion, you're wrong. Jesus is the only person who claimed that he is the only way. Now, either you'll believe that or you'll reject it. But we need to tell people that the gospel is good news, but if they reject it, it's bad news. Because it's the only way to a relationship with a true and living God. God, when he sees in our hearts the sadness over idolatry, will begin to give us the words. In fact, Jesus said this to his disciples. When people persecute you, don't worry about what you're going to say. I'm going to put the words in your mouth. Why did he say that? He said that because it's not about what we say. It's not about what we know. It's not about our eloquence. It's not about how good of a talker we are. It's all about our sadness to see people die in an eternally separated state from God because they worship the wrong God. They didn't come 
to the knowledge of the saving grace of Jesus. Witnessing must begin with a sense of sadness. Not for people, but for the neglect of God's glory and honor. Idolatry should distress us so much that we would like to witness to people so that they can be made to recognize that they need to direct their worship towards the God of heaven. Paul had this sadness written all over his words when he addressed the very religious people among his own people. Listen to his words in Romans chapter 9 verses 1 to 3. This is the, the great Saint Paul saying this. I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, for those of my own race. Why does he have so much sorrow uh, about his own people? Why, did, why was he so dejected? at those people why was he saddened why did he say I, I wish that i could you know give up my life so that i can share with these people the gospel why were they why was he so uh, saddened by this thing the reason is many of the religious leaders among his own people were worshiping themselves they were very self-righteous okay that is the number one uh that's the most dangerous type of idolatry, self-righteousness, okay? People were, ad Paul was addressing a group of people who are saying, we have the covenants, we have the prophets, we have the temple, we have the Ten Commandments. All of these things belong to us. We are supposed to show the people what it means to be righteous. And Paul says, no you don't have that power. There's only one righteous person, and that's Jesus. Scripture says, no one is righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. And the people that Paul was addressing, they're saying to themselves, no, I'm good enough to be good enough to be taken by God seriously. And Paul says, you're never going to ever be good enough on your own. Self-righteousness is the worst form of idolatry. Okay, Because God says none of us can attain that righteousness outside of Jesus. Well, well I'm a good person, Pastor. I, I don't cheat on my taxes. I, I, don't, I never killed anybody. I, I, I haven't uttered one swear word. I haven't stolen anything in my life. I had been an ethical person. I've respected my parents. I'm relatively successful in what I do. I'm a righteous person. Why would God send me to an eternally separated state from him in a place called hell? Why would God do that? I'm a righteous person. Righteousness does not belong to us. It belongs to God to impart to us. And God already decided that our righteousness must be based not on our own doing, but on what Jesus did on the cross. So when you and I begin to say, I'm good enough to enter heaven because I'm all of these things, then that's a sign that you and I are self-righteous and we are committing idolatry. There's no name given on heaven, on earth, and under the earth by which we can be made righteous, but only at the name of Jesus. So Paul was distressed because their self-righteousness had no humility in it. Do you know that self-righteousness without the humility to accept the fact that God 
is the one that's going to make you righteous and not yourself. Humility, if it's absent from righteousness, is idolatry. Righteousness without humility equals idolatry. And so, let's think about why we need to share the gospel to people. One of the reasons why I don't, uh, sometimes I'm skeptical myself about sharing my faith. You know, how do you tell somebody who's really, really good person that they're going to hell when they die if they don't know Jesus? I mean, that's very difficult, right? Because the people, the, peop the person you would, you would say something to that to will just sneer at you and say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm more ethical than you, you know. In fact, that's true. There are so many people who don't even believe in God, but they have better ethics, ethics than those who believe in God. But that's not the point. The point is God declared that there's no one righteous, no, not one. The only way we can be righteous if is that we are made righteous. And how does that happen? By God putting the righteousness of Jesus in us. And we do that by faith. We accept the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, there's a second sign that worship is the driving force behind our witnessing. And that is, it's not about the security and satisfaction of people. It's about sacrifice and surrender. Now, we don't proclaim the gospel and promise people that if you come to faith in Jesus, you will be secured and satisfied in life. That's wrong. Okay? Look at what happened to Paul in verses 22 to 25. Paul already had enough of these things going on in, 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 in this city. So he said, uh, Paul stood up in the meeting of the Oropagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. You see, Paul's point was that, was that the people were putting their security and satisfaction into all of these different ideas and philosophies and all of these religious things. Okay, they're literally trying to come up with a God that will supply uh, their, the harvest of their crops, for instance. They're actually trying to worship a God who will give them fertility stuff, you know. Can't have a baby? Oh, you have to pay homage to this God right here and you'll be pregnant or something like that. You know, they're, they're looking for ways to bring security in their lives, to bring satisfaction, to get answers, okay. And Paul stood up and he says, can't do that. God is the creator of everything. And in him is the key to everything that you need. And um, the point is that security and satisfaction is not the main focus of why we tell people about Jesus. It's about us surrendering to the to the glory and uh, presence of God. We don't share the gospel because it gives us a sense of security and satisfaction. In fact, the opposite is true. We should focus on telling people that they shouldn't put uh, their satisfaction and security on the temporal things of the world. 
They should put their security and satisfaction by surrendering and sacrificing to be able to please and honor God. You and I are called to a life of sacrificial surrender to the will of God, for the glory of God, and for the purposes of God. A, a friend of mine, this was many years ago, a friend of mine uh, called me and asked me to come to the hospital because his brother-in-law uh, was near death. And um, like any pastor, I, I went there uh, with my Bible and I was ready to share the gospel uh, with his brother-in-law and, and, um, and my friend's sister who was married to, to the guy who was dying. And I got to the hospital and I went to the ICU and there he was. Um, his brother-in-law, his sister was there and he himself was there and the guy was in bad shape. Uh, he was near death. He was plugged into all of these machines and he was, he was in life support and the, the nurse says, you can go ahead and, and pray for him and talk to him. He can still hear you, but I just want you to know that you know, he's, he's not looking very good. So I decided I'd, I'd go there and i pray. And I prayed uh, for the guy, and I, and I knew, I knew it didn't matter whether I pray for him to be healed or to die. It wouldn't matter. The guy was going to die. So, you know, I just prayed and all of that. But I was concerned about the guy's wife and my friend. I wanted to share with them the gospel. So as soon as I finished praying for this, this sick man, I went and turned my attention to, to, to the guy's wife and, his and, and, and her brother, and I wanted to share with them the gospel. And then uh, my friend told me, oh, I, I appreciate your praying for him, but now you got to go. And I said, no, I was shocked. Why was I being let out? He said, because I, I, I have five other ministers waiting outside. And I go, okay. So I went out, and I saw there they were lined up. Two of them are Christian pastors. There's a Catholic priest. Uh, there was a Hindu priest and some guy, weird looking guy uh and i and i and i said why'd you call me you know i i, I you know your, your your pride gets in the way and you say why do you uh you know why do you even have to bother you got five other things i uh, five other people in here trying to say uh the same kind of thing and and i can't i won't forget what he told me he said you know i don't know if my brother-in-law uh knows where he's going when he dies so i called all the ministers that I can find, so I cover the bases. Terrible. Terrible. And the reason why we share the gospel to people is because it is the only way to heaven. It is. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one gets accepted to heaven except through me. Your worship, if you think you're worshiping God, but you're not doing it in the name of Jesus, the worship means nothing. Because Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. How did he prove that? He proved that because he rose from the dead. That's why we believe in Jesus. It's because he rose from the dead. But it shows you that people are looking for security and satisfaction in life, but they're looking in the wrong place. That's why we need to share with them our faith. We don't proclaim the gospel to offer security and satisfaction to people. 
we offer them the truth in the hope that they will surrender to Jesus as their king and go to his kingdom in heaven one day. The purpose of sharing the gospel is to get people to give up control of their lives in return for a place in his kingdom. Because no one who put their trust in their own earthly righteousness, in their own earthly mechanisms, will inherit the kingdom of God. The focus of our witness is sacrifice and surrender. That's the essence of the word duolos or slave. We are servants, slaves of Christ. The word duolos means we surrender and we sacrifice to the rule of God. Romans 12 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable act of worship. Do not conform yourselves any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you can test God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. That's why. Now, there's a final sign of worship-driven witnessing. And that is, it is not about social servitude. It is about a sovereign Savior. Look at verses 26 to 28, the last two verses. From one man, God made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out to him and find him, though he is not far away from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. You know, I consider myself an old-fashioned person. An old-fashioned person. Okay, 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 okay. I consider myself old. Forget the fashion. I like watching old movies. And I like listening to old songs, uh, especially the old romantic songs like uh, Black Magic Woman. <laughs> Hit the road, Jack. <laughs> okay, all my exes live in Texas. No, I really like listening to old love songs. Uh, one of my favorite songs is, uh, what is it now? Um, Unforgettable, almost forgot. Now, when I watch old movies and listen to those old songs, Sometimes I say to myself, I wish I had lived in that era. I wish I, was, I lived in, let's say, in the early 50s or whatever. Life seems to be a lot easier back then. Life seems to be a lot less stressful back then. You know, people back then, boy and a girl means they fell in love, they get married. Those days are gone, people. But it seems like you go back, you feel nostalgic. You know, it seems like those were easier times, right? And we, we, we say to ourselves, or at least I say to myself, I wish I had lived in that era. And then I realize if I did live in that era, I'd be 90 now or close to death. That's not very good, okay? So be careful what you wish for, okay? May I just say to you this morning that when and where you were born, what ethnicity you are, where you were raised, where you're going to be, that's all ordained 
by the sovereign will of God. You are where you are right now exactly as God has planned it. Exactly as, as God sovereignly willed it. And he did that for the exact and precise reason that we might seek him and find him. Because he's not far away from us. Why do we share the gospel? Because we live. This is our moment. We are here today by the will of God to be able to reach out to God and find him and call other people to also find him that they may rest their faith in him. It's all about worship. It's all about God wanting every generation to come to the knowledge of his name so that he can be worshipped by them. In him we live and move and have our being. Why? Because God ordained it so we will worship him. And that's why you're here this morning. That's why you're listening to a sermon. Maybe it's boring you. It doesn't matter. There is value in this moment for eternity because God planned it. You are where you are because God wants you where you are so you can reach out and touch him and reach him. He's not far away. You can have access to the grace of God this morning. Don't you know that? God's going to receive you the way you are. Why would God reject someone whom he sovereignly willed to be at this time, to be born at this moment, to live in this moment, in this era, whatever ethnicity you are, God's got you where he wants you and he wants you to reach out to him because he loves you, he cares for you, and he wants you to worship his name. The name of Jesus is above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. You may, don't, may not want to do it now, but eventually you will do it. The only thing is you will either do it willingly now or reluctantly later. And that's not a good thing. We're not called to transform society. We're called to transform lives. We're not called to mess around with, wha you know, with what society is doing right now. I mean, if you look at what's going on in our society right now, you'll be depressed. Watch the news, and you'll be very depressed. But listen, loved ones, we're not called to change society. We're called to confront our society. Confront with what? Confront it with the gospel. Confront it with the truth. We're not called to do any of that. We're called to advance the name of Jesus in our midst. Because he's the only one that can transform a soul. When a soul is transformed, societies will transform. Amen? Y y you, can, you can protest till you're blue in the face. And I'm not discouraging or encouraging any kinds of things, okay? You know, we're big on social issues these days in our world. But listen, you can stand up there and picket with signs and all of that. But if you don't know Jesus, you're wasting your time. Because this world will see, continually see all of this unrest until the heart rests in the peace of God. And that's the answer. And that's why we, we witness all of these social issues being brought up in the world. People are grappling with answers of what's ailing society. People are positioning themselves to be the most influential factor in transforming our society from 
people to the direction that they want. They use money and fame and influence to do that. But we have a greater power that will influence the world. And that is the power of the name of Jesus. Proclaim the gospel to people so that they may seek God and find him. For in him we live and move and have our, have our being. We're not called to serve our society's demands. We are called to serve God. He placed us in this world at this moment, at this time, to live and move and have our being in Him. We're not servants of our society. We are servants of God. This world is not our permanent home. We're just passing through. We're not called to be the conscience of society. We are called to be converters of souls. Transform a soul and you'll transform a society. We witness to cause people everywhere to know the living God through Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit.